0: Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. We are back to continue complaining about the athletics positional rankings. That's right. We're coming at you, Law Murray. And then we're projecting the 2024 Olympic team. Can we put together a roster that'll actually get it done and win a gold medal? That next on Locked On Knicks.
1: You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. He starts without a five. Ewing for the rim. Yes! Hubs left. Now fires it. He's good! And he's fouled! And he's out! Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes
0: down! Puts up a three. Bang! Bang! Right the match down the three! infectious. are locked on nicks and today's episode is brought to you by jace medical empower yourself when you purchase a jace case providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50 plus infections get yours today at jacemedical.com that's j-a-s-e medical.com and we wanted to thank you for making Lockdown Nicks your first listen today and every day. Um, if you want to become an everydayer, all you have to do is subscribe on YouTube and hit that notifications bell to ensure that you never, ever miss an episode. And be sure to do the same on the audio side. But if you're a little bit of a weirdo like us and that's not enough for you, uh, you can text with us on a daily basis. All you have to do is click the link in the episode description. And it'll take you right to our subtext, um, which means you get to text Alex and I every day. And uh, we get to text you every day if you want uh, our latest thoughts after Knicks games on rumors, on news, and Alex on disrespect. We are getting into the athletics ranking. He is the editor-in-chief of the Strickland. I am your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster, self-dubbed, or Alex dubbed. But uh, Mitchell Robinson, Alex, man, the guy uh, wins the Knicks, a playoff series, and... Apparently, to Law Murray, that doesn't matter if he's the Knicks, have the 23rd best center group in the NBA, according to his article.
1: Yeah, Mitch is not uh, your favorite athletic writer's favorite center, apparently, if, if Law Murray's anybody's favorite. Uh, not making many Knicks fan friends after this article, though. Yeah, Mitch at number 23. Uh, I just took some, took some notes on who all is ahead of Mitch at number 23. We've got... Um, Al Horford and Robert Williams with Boston at number 11, which I would not say is the most egregious, except for the fact that it seems like the stated mission of 70% starter, 30% bench for the, the composite of these rankings didn't help the Knicks out at all, who have Hartenstein, who I think is good enough to start on probably half the teams in the NBA, uh, so that that apparently helps the Celtics, but not the Knicks. Uh, Nikola Vucevic uh, is ninth for Chicago. Capella uh, and Atlanta are at 14. Uh, Kevon Looney and Golden State are at 20. Three spots ahead of Mitch Robinson and Isaiah Hartenstein. Uh, Zubac uh, <laughs> on the Clippers is at 18. Uh, so five spots ahead. Shangoon on the Rockets. Is at 16 again ahead of Mitchell Robinson and Isaiah Hartenstein. They're considered a pair for this. Allegedly, a 70-30 split as far as how much they were they were considered for this list. Uh Jared Allen, who Mitch and Hartenstein eviscerated, and Cleveland's center rotation is listed at number eight, which is insane. Um, oh man, I'm gonna just I'm gonna breeze with us. There's so many. Like there's so many that I take issue with. Nick Claxton in Brooklyn at 12. Uh, Chet Holmgren, who has never played a minute of actual NBA basketball and OKC are at 10. I don't understand this. For a guy, this this list allegedly was like not going to reward potential at all. And it's all just basically based off this year. Crazy to put him and OKC at 10. And I like Chet Holmgren. Uh, Jonas Valanciunas in New Orleans at number 17. Uh, DeAndre Ayton in Phoenix at number 15, and they got basically no depth behind him. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic in Portland at 22, and he can't stay on the court. And allegedly, health factored into these rankings, Gavin. And uh, Jakob Pertle in Toronto at 13. And I, David Locke probably loves this, but Walker Kessler in Utah at number 21. I just I am bamboozled by this, this ranking. Um, as just a quick reminder, like I, I referenced it. During this, but seventy percent of this list was allegedly based on starters and takes depth into account. The rankings based up allegedly on defense and other aspects like rebounding as well. Uh, availability is considered an ability in these rankings, um, and then the it, Law Murray tried to weigh like age with potential, and you know also weighing potential decline, whatever. But this whole thing seemed to kind of favor players in their prime, and also morale was the category so if the player wants to be there or whatever luckily there are no centers that seem to be pending Joel Embiid, maybe like trying to force their way out of anywhere but uh yeah um pretty crazy list dude.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean it we, we referenced it the other day but you, you could you could keep saying it. it's pretty amazing the Knicks below average at every position other than Power forward essentially uh one of the final eight teams here, here were my rankings. I had nuggets first, six or second. Miami third Kings with Sabonis fourth Milwaukee with Brolo probably five Gobert in Minnesota six Claxton in Brooklyn. I know I know it's tough that I have him one spot ahead of the Knicks at seven and then the Knicks at eight. I, I think that is pretty fair to me given what Hardenstein brings to the table. I think with Mitch there are very real durability concerns and I, I think those should be taken into account but I also think you have to take into account what he did in the playoffs where he basically single like I think there's a pretty compelling argument to be made. And one I would certainly listen to that Mitchell Robinson was the best player in the Knicks first round series. Like I can pull this list up again. There's not a center, at least on my rankings behind Mitchell Robinson. That's capable of doing that. Dev guys like Sengun, who's a incredible offensive talent, but is totally a one way player. And, and I, you could, some people might argue that about Mitchell Robinson, but you can't be. He's the best offensive rebounder in basketball. When Steven Adams isn't around Deandre Ayton, just, doesn't really show up for the suns. There's no world where you can have the Cavs duo ranked ahead of the Knicks. After what we just saw there, there's an argument to be made that like, all right. I, and I think maybe if you, if we got while Murray on this podcast, he would say, all right, but what if Evan Mobley makes a big jump and is an all-star this year? And, and I would say, sure. I just don't understand how you could proactively factor that in. When the, the last time we saw Cleveland play basketball, the Knicks centers were kicking the Cavs centers, butts. um, Walker Kessler's awesome. I again, I don't think he's quite there yet from a physicality perspective, as we saw in FIBA. Alex, I can go on and on and on, but I'll, I'll throw it back to you. Wh- what do you think it like? Do people who don't watch the Knicks every day like how do they perceive the Knicks centers and like what what are they missing from that amount of production?
1: I mean, I think if you look at I, <laughs> I don't mean to like disparage what this dude did, Law Murray, right. with uh, the athletic completely, but. Uh, My impression looking at a lot of his rankings in this thing was that he basically just went on basketball reference pages because if you just look at basketball reference pages, I think that Mitchell Robinson can look a little underwhelming. You know what I mean? Like you look at the stats and it's like typically he's I, I forget what his total was to end last year, but typically he's like just under 10 points, just under 10 rebounds per game. Um, so you're not even like, Oh, a double, double threat, you know, which is always like one of those like buzzy things that'll, that'll, you know, get somebody's eye. Um, you know, and just like in general, his box score numbers don't show what he actually, yeah. So last year, 7.4 points, 9.4 boards and about two blocks in 27 minutes, shot 67%. Um, and then Hartenstein shot 53%. Uh, had five points, six and a half boards, and a block per game. So I mean, you know, it combined they're a a double double center easily. Uh, But you know, just looking at one versus the other, like, or you know, just looking at both of them, it, it looks underwhelming on paper. But their impact is just crazy because it, you know, I don't. If I had to guess, I would say that that you know, Law Murray didn't look at like Mitchell Robinson's box out statistics and you know the rebounding percentages for the Knicks when he's on the floor because so often he just acts like a brick wall that takes the opposing center out of any opportunities for offensive rebounds he himself gets tons of offensive rebounds and is always one of the tops in the league at that and then Mitch has also gotten really good like if you don't watch Nick's tape you don't understand like the the strides Mitch has made as far as like judgment when he gets one of those offensive rebounds of knowing when he should put it back up when he should kick it out and like start a chain to you know get a a new better shot for the Knicks like he does so many great things on the court that I feel like go underappreciated by a box score and I think if that's like I think if there was one reason I could think of why people in the national media would be underrating Mitch and underrating the Knicks center rotation it would be that but like he and Hartenstein like both won the Knicks a lot of games last year, I think. And Hartenstein in particular, I feel like sort of got shafted here in a similar way to how we were railing on like quickly getting shafted yesterday Um, in that, you know, I think that he's a starter caliber player that comes off the bench for this team that isn't really appreciated as such Uh, just like Emmanuel quickly seemingly isn't as well uh, when it came to the other rankings for the Knicks yesterday, like point guard and shooting guard. So yeah, I I think that's probably if I had to take a stab at it why the Knicks are generally underappreciated
0: yeah I, th- I think it's it's gonna be fascinating to see if, if Mitch ever kind of gets his credit and uh, that could be something we talk about down the road maybe maybe in the Olympics so he'll, he'll, he'll finally get his credit um, because I don't think he's ever gonna like grossly exceed what he did last year statistically Look, I I can't imagine like and and if he's going to have a career scoring year it's probably going to be in the next year or two before his athleticism starts declining a bit but i could see him maybe getting up to like 12 and 9 this year 12 and 10 this year but i i I don't think there's ever going to be that jump there and and his contributions might not ever be accurately reflected at least in terms of rankings like this but I, i think anyone who really watches basketball and a whole horde of advanced metrics that paint him as a top 50 player um I, I, think, I think there's stuff out there that captures just how good he is and just how important he is to the Knicks. Um, Alex, reading these rankings uh, made me feel sick. But if I ever got really sick, what, what's something I could uh, do for myself?
1: Well, it's, it's good to be prepared, Gavin. And if you're if you find yourself in a situation where you're not able to get to medicine or whatever – uh, there is, for example, a hurricane working its way up the East Coast right now that could possibly make landfall here within the next week or so, which is crazy. Um, and, you know, if something like that would ever come up, you should be empowered to care for yourself and your loved ones during the unexpected. And that's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case provides five life saving antibiotics for emergency use. And gives you a peace of mind so that you are not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency jace medical makes sure you have the medication in hand and jace medical is simple they handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care so don't get caught unprepared save more than 360 dollars by getting these life-saving antibiotics with jace medical plus an additional 20 dollars off by using code locked on at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J A S E medical.com, promo code locked on. All right. And we're back in to continue going through these athletic positional rankings, Gavin. And as much as we've been talking about the Knicks, getting disrespected up and down these rankings brunson and the point guards at 12 crimes and the shooting guards at 18 rj and the small forwards at 23 and mitch and the centers at 23 then we've all of a sudden got julius randall number three on these rankings and that raised my eyebrows a bit too although once i sat and thought about it i was like this is not that crazy like the power forward position is pretty sparse these days like and I know a lot of I know I know a lot of fans are ready to just kind of like shoot Julius into the sun, um, including us. I always have to say that sometimes, including us from time to time. Not so yeah. much last year. I think we saw the value in Julius pretty yeah. quickly last in, year. in the playoffs we're... a little bit. But yeah, yeah. But certainly the year prior, we were ready to shoot him into the sun. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a pretty compelling case here. Like, so Giannis came in at number one, obviously. Uh, Anthony Davis at number two. I would say also, obviously. And yeah. then Julius at number three, followed by uh, to fill out the rest of the top nine, Jaron Jackson Jr. at fourth, Siakam at fifth, Zion at sixth, Mobley at seventh, Cat at eighth, and Porzingis at ninth. Of course, this comes with their respective teams and their respective depth on those teams. So that's, you know, the Grizzlies' depth at the four, uh, the Raptors' depth at the four, which apparently doesn't include Scotty Barnes because he's a shooting guard, as we learned yesterday, according to these rankings uh Zion you know and the the rest of the um Pelicans Mobley and the rest of the Cavs Cat the rest of the you know you get the picture um so yeah I I I could sort of see this one Gavin I you know and maybe that makes me maybe that makes me a total homer that I'm like every other ranking the Knicks are being disrespected but the one where they're high totally fair (laughs) but I don't know it seemed pretty good to me all
0: right let me let me let me throw some ones at you because okay here here was the first one that stood out to me would you, um, as a Knicks fan, would you rather have Julius Randle and Josh Hart this year? Um, because or I guess Josh Hart's minutes at the PowerPoint, but you know, let's just make this simple. Just say Julius Randle this year or Zion Williamson. Because to me, I think even with the injury risk that I you know what that's almost the wrong way to the real way to phrase it is the health risk right because odds are that he's probably going to be injured right and there's kind of like a small like I don't know I'd just say like 20% chance like he gets through the entire season but if you're the Knicks and even if you're the Pelicans I would say your championship equity just having Zion on your roster goes so far up that just for this season not even the future I think I would still probably take Zion and say like, hey, odds are he's not going to be healthy and it's going to torpedo your season. But there's a chance we win an NBA title when I don't really think there's a realistic chance the Knicks win an NBA title as is. What, what, what do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I think that's, I think this is where for once in these rankings, the the health thing actually came into play.
0: Yeah. You know, it's like- Maybe
1: too much though, I'm arguing. Ma- maybe too much. Yeah, I mean, I I think maybe there's a case you can move Zion ahead of like Siakam for that reason. But I do think that, like if I could have some like if I could even get a I don't know and like 75 percent chance that Zion plays 65 games or more and can can be healthy during the playoffs like then maybe I'd be like okay yeah I, th- I think I can actually see that uh the problem is like I just I I don't think that you can assume anything about his health anymore. And that, that very actively fl- plays into his like assessment as a player. Now I do agree though. I think like at his peak, like he would raise the Knicks. Uh, it, he would absolutely raise the Knicks ceiling to potential championship heights. Like if he, if you replace Julius Randall with him and you could guarantee he's healthy. I mean, the guy scores like, like 28 points per game, barely taking a three pointer because he literally shoots like, like 65% on high volume from, basically just getting inside and finishing inside which is crazy um so you know i I think that there's there's definitely like no doubt in my mind that if i could guarantee any sort of health that i would take zion but i do think that that's what ultimately puts julius up there and puts him in the class with like anthony davis for example who also has trouble staying healthy but at least has proven that he could stay healthy enough to like make the playoffs most of the time um, you know, and like be load managed or whatever, and at least get his body right when it matters. Um, I think that's probably the differentiating factor there, but like Julius, I, I mean, I know this sounds kind of weird considering he <laughs> Julius hurt himself real bad last year and it probably affected his playoff performance, but that's like the the exception for him, not the rule. Like typically he's just healthy all the time and, and plays a style of basketball that is very safe um, in terms of only getting vertical when he has to. Um you know and and doing a good job of like protecting his body on the court like I think that is a skill, so I, I yeah i I could see what you're talking about 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 other guys potentially having a higher ceiling, but I think that when you factor in the floor i I don't have a problem with like Zion landing where he is because the floor is literally nothing with him, which is yeah. pretty crazy
0: yeah i I think it's it's a totally fair argument. It's probably in some ways the more logical one personally, I would even just for this year i would I'd rather have Zion because I'd rather have that. chance or 20% chance at being a legitimate contender versus the Knicks, who like have an extremely high chance of being a very good team, but have that cap ceiling. Um, the other two that were interesting to me, you you already mentioned them a little bit, were um Toronto and um, Memphis, who I actually on my when when I initially put together my rankings, I had both of them ahead of the Knicks, and now that I'm sitting here thinking about it a little bit, I'm doubting it a tiny bit. So we could do. Toronto first um I think Pascal Siakam in a vacuum is, is probably a slightly slightly better player than Julius Randle when you take into account that he's he's a much better defender and 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 certainly not a dramatically better passer but is, I would say he's definitely a better passer slightly slightly better creator I, I think more so just because and Julius to his credit got much better about this last year but I think Pascal like leans into his physicality all the time while Julius you, you almost need to catch him on the right night to get that the counter arguments are that Julius is a much better three point shooter, or not much better, but better, taking twice as many threes. Um, and, and for the Knicks, I think that is incredibly important. And it would make Siakam, just as he is on Toronto, because they don't have any shooting either, um, a pretty poor fit on the Knicks in terms of style of play, unless you're going to play him at center. But that comes with its own issues. And then the backup spot, like I, I think Toronto's mostly playing Chris Boucher there. I'm going to take Josh Hart every day of the week in that matchup. So I, I, I see the argument for the Knicks over Toronto. But Alex, I know I know your uh, your your all time uh, love interest, um, other other than your wife, maybe even including your wife, is Brandon Clark Um, and Jaron Jackson, Jr. Olympics aside, is a pretty incredible uh, NBA player. Part of the reason he didn't do that well in the Olympics is because he's not a center. He's a power forward. Um, That was the other one that had me kind of like he has so many foul issues and at times was only playing like 27 minutes a game last year because of it's so that that's kind of the counter argument here. But he's such a good defender, I could I could definitely see the argument for having Memphis ahead of the Knicks here.
1: Yeah, I could see a world. I mean, like, yeah, he's he's going to be a defensive player of the year candidate like pretty much every single year. You know what I mean? Like, he's he's really really good on that end. I do think he's more limited on offense, which plays into it. Like, I will say out of this list, like, I think there are only. Uh, all right, I guess you include Cat in this, and obviously Zion if he's healthy, Siakam too. Like, like there's only so many guys that that you can just kind of like hand the ball to and be like, go figure it out. And like Julius, I think is arguably the best one, just based off the fact of like the pull up three point shooting, the step back three point shooting. Like, like he's the most like a bucket out of these guys. I know I'd um, say Cat or you, maybe Cat. Yeah, maybe cat, but like cat, cat, you lose so much on defense. Like it, yeah. I, I, I think that's what plays out for me with with JJJ. I think it would just depend on roster construction. Like, yeah. I think there's a world where even on this Knicks team, I, I would potentially take Jaron Jackson over Julius Randle just because I think you have enough creation then between like RJ Brunson, Grimes, if you empower him to do that more quickly, you know that then you could live with having someone who's more just like. A spot up guy and like a lob threat like JJJ, and and like your your defense would just be insane with with Jaron Jackson and Mitchell Robinson. But that's a unique situation the Knicks are in. Um, where you know I think they can absorb that because they have enough creation. Like that's not every team. Yeah. Um so, but like if I were some other team that that had more like spot-up guys at like the two and three like guys that weren't really comfortable with the ball in their hands I would probably want a Julius Randle over a JJJ just for that offense creation cuz it's it's a rarity at that particular roster spot in the NBA at this point.
0: Yeah, I'm, I I I think I think it's a great point. Um all right, uh we will um get into the Olympics and uh, the, apparently Steve Kerr wasn't really capable or and Grant Hill I should say more so weren't really capable of putting together a roster that could win. Um let's see if, let's see if we can do it. Um, but before we do that, uh, I want to see if you guys are capable of putting together a parlay that can win. So get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet five dollars and get two hundred in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet five dollars will get a hundred dollars off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. It is a blast you get to watch. Four screens at once, and you get to pick your games. It is a revolution. Um, I would highly, highly recommend putting down a bet for that reason, if nothing else. And now is absolutely the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. I'm actually looking at that Jets. Over/underline, it's gone way, way down. I think I would maybe take the over on season wins, Alex. Not to not to bring this up so soon. I know it's still sensitive, but I, I think they're going to find a way to get a quarterback. I like the rest of that team, and I'm saying that as a Giants fan, so you know I mean it. So visit fanduelcom on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel official partner of the NFL. All righty, um, let's get into it, Alex. Uh, I, I hate to say this is the third segment. But this is the part of the show. I was really looking forward to um, our projected Olympic rosters. I meant to do something like this when I did uh, our FIBA wrap up, but I didn't, but I'm excited because now I get to get your opinion on it too. All right, so I made I made two versions of my dream roster. And I think I, my, my big takeaway from this and a lot of people's big takeaway from this is that the U.S. like often makes the same mistake over and over and over again. is like star power, star power, star power, not realizing, hey, maybe role players are better doing role player things. And if you're going to have, Anthony Edwards, um, again, no, well, I guess a little bit shots at Jalen Brunson and Tyrese Halliburton and Austin Reeves, but you don't need other guards who are purely offensive players. You you, you want a great defender, and you want a great defender on the wing on top of Mikhail Bridges, and and Team USA just did not bring enough of those guys. They didn't bring enough size, so I think my roster solves that. I put an everyone-says-yes version and a realistic version. The everyone-says-yes version is Steph Drew Holiday, who was low-key the best player on the U.S.'s last Olympic team, De'Aaron Fox, Devin Booker, Desmond Bain, Kawhi Leonard, Jason Tatum, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Joel Embiid, Bam Adebayo, and yes, Mitchell Robinson, who I think is the perfect garbage center, um, the guy who is not going to get his butt kicked by Jonas Valanciunas and Nikola Vucevic is going to get you offensive rebounds instead of watching the other teams get offensive rebounds after offensive rebounds. It was funny watching Team USA, Alex, because they, it, it, they were getting demoralized. The way the Cavs were getting demoralized against the Knicks because they just couldn't get a rebound, and that kills a team. Um, my other version, um, which is like probably the more realistic version, uh, Caruso replaces Drew Holiday just because I think Drew has done it already. Might not want to do it again. Um, another great defensive guard, I have Herb Jones replacing Kawhi Leonard, who I think there's almost no chance that he's actually um, on this team that is Kawhi. I think Herb would be a great, versatile lockdown wing defender. I also put on Zion, who's maybe not realistic, but I just thought would be really fun in international play. Draymond instead of Embiid and I'm sticking with Mitchell Robinson
1: yeah I I think I I would struggle to see a world where Team USA would after not prioritizing center at all I I don't know if they would overcorrect quite that much like I feel like they usually carry like two true centers on the best teams um but I guess you could also just call Draymond a power forward for all intents and purposes kind of a swing
0: spot yeah sort
1: sort of a swing spot because he could like It it, like he handles the ball a bit you know he passes really well all that stuff so like I I could see a world where he's on there and isn't like uh, on the center roster so to speak I hope they look at Mitch though I hope they really do I hope they recruit him I hope they say hey you want some shine like you never get it normally here like come play for Team USA win a gold medal with us I mean I have no doubt let's be clear I have no doubt that Team USA is gonna end up putting together a good enough team to win a gold medal next year like they always do for the Olympics. Like, you know, it's it's very clear at this point they don't take the FIBAs that seriously and the Olympics are go time. Um, I still thought the team this year was really good and I was disappointed that they didn't win gold or any medal at the FIBAs, but I, I think they're going to definitely put together a better roster next year. I guess while I'm looking up and down on yours, like, so first off, I am I got two objectives here. First, to just point out any spots that I don't, uh, that I don't necessarily agree with, but other, The other thing is try to shoehorn Knicks into this, right? Right. Uh, Because you know, obviously, it's locked on Knicks, right? So uh, if I'm looking, I'm going to just focus in on the realistic one because I I agree with you. I think like Drew Holiday. I mean, there's there seems to be a groundswell of guys saying that they're willing to come back, but I feel like he's probably done. I I agree with you. I don't think Kawhi would do it because the injury concerns and everything. Um, Zion, I kind of feel similar. Like (laughs) I wonder if Zion, his agent, whatever, would be like why don't you worry about getting yourself right first (laughs) like and getting your health correct before you start playing good
0: for him he he won't be eating he won't be doing other stuff he'll be overseas he'll be well maybe he will be eating in paris but yeah sorry go ahead
1: true yeah i mean maybe maybe it is like a way to be like hey this is a way for you to have a, a runway into being in shape going into the season so yeah maybe that's the devil's advocate so I won't push back on that one too hard. But I could see a world where maybe you include Julius Randle there. I don't know. He's a good passer. I think he's got a style that's well-suited for international ball and that he can handle the ball. Um, You know, he, he likes to run when it's presented to him. Like, we see, like, the Knicks don't do it often enough. But early last season, he was getting out in transition, getting a lot of transition dunks and stuff, which is big on Team USA at its best. So, you know, that'll be a place where I would say maybe we could shoehorn him in. The other spot I would say, though, like and and I could see this guy getting looks like Caruso definitely fits that mold of like a guy that you would want to like, you know, be a stopper or whatever. And, you know, just be like, hey, this guy might not be the most glamorous dude, but we could throw him out there and he can, you know, complete a defensive possession against us. If some, you know, uh, if some other guy on the other team is going crazy, that's a spot where I would say, though, why not Quentin Grimes? I don't know. I, I could see it like. Quentin Grimes one v one Jimmy Butler in the playoffs and did a really good job with it, like a better job than probably anyone in the last five six years has done on Jimmy Butler. Uh, and he's one of the hardest guys to guard in the NBA when he's really on because he draws fouls, he has every level of scoring at his disposal. Like he's a really really good player. Um, so yeah, I would I would say maybe Quentin Grimes is like that that token like role player that could shoot the three, that could play really good defense. That's not a star level player that kind of always makes these teams that you want to just have there is like break in case of emergency, throw this guy in just for defense. I I say, you know, why not? Why not Grimes? Why not quickly? I think either of them, either of them could potentially get a look there. Um, I think Grimes was on the select team this year, right? Yes, he was. Yeah. So, I mean, he's definitely, he's got a foot in the door. And quickly wasn't though, right? Quickly wasn't. Quickly wasn't. Ski. But that, yeah.
0: I, for all we know, that was his choice. I, I yeah. thought it was interesting. Kevin O'Connor, the Ringer, uh, shout out. Um, even though I don't like him for some other reasons, um, he threw out Emmanuel Quickly as a potential option for the Olympic team, and he was like, he was just saying like, why not have like a role player who does a little bit of everything? And that is Emmanuel Quickly to a T. And I, I just all the defensive breakdowns this team had. I don't think they would have happened with Emmanuel quickly out there. And, and it's this interesting thing, right? Because obviously in a Knicks context, as much as we love IQ, right, there, there's no world where we're ever taking him over Jalen Brunson. I actually, I kind of, I think there's a pretty compelling case that the FIBA team would have been better off for having Emmanuel quickly than Jalen Brunson and having someone who's such a good communicator defensively, who just never seems to be at a position on that end of the floor. And, is a little bit more content to play off the ball and is is able to play off the ball, but can still pass, can still create a bit, can still attack a mismatch, can still get you a shot at the end of the shot clock if the ball ends up in their right. hands. So I think there's a good case for him. Grimes, my only hesitancy was I, I think that is probably just Desmond Bain's spot to lose. The argument you could make there is that Grimes is kind of the in-between of him and Caruso and that he gives you that, absolutely elite perimeter defense but he's a much better shooter than caruso is I, I think just everything caruso does with loose balls and the fact that you look at um like there, there are advanced metrics that isolate like offense and defense and and a lot of them have caruso is like the single best defender in basketball so that was that was weighing in my mind but i do think there's a world where grimes in year three like a little bit stronger full off season where he's seemingly fully healthy um he comes out this year and he's he's in that mix right he he's he's a candidate for all defensive team which i'm sure is something we'll talk about as the offseason goes along. But if he has a season like that where he makes an all defense team, shoots 40% from three on high volume, like he's probably a couple nose away from being on that Team USA, which I, I don't know about you, Alex. I would get such a kick out of watching like LeBron's last Olympic run, Steph's first Olympic run, KD's last Olympic run. And who's on the floor with them? Quentin Grimes, man. That would, that would get me fired up. So that would be really cool.
1: Yeah, it would be pretty crazy. And I mean, it wouldn't be totally unheard of either. Like we were talking before the show, like, like, there's always kind of one of these guys, right? Like, Tayshawn Prince was on the Redeem team yeah. uh, in 2008. And, like, he wasn't on there all the time, but he played a role. Like, he got minutes. You know, like, they, it, they sort of, I mean, that team was so good that they sort of started treating it like an all star game and getting everybody minutes after a while. But, I mean, he was on the team and playing. So it would be, it would be pretty crazy to see, like, Quentin Grimes, especially if Grimes and Mitch would both make it. I mean, that would be really cool to see to see two Knicks out there at the same time uh, potentially on the Olympic team together. Cause I can't remember the last time that, that the Knicks have had, you know, guys that would be considered in that light uh, and, you know, have multiple people, uh, you know, potentially representing the country on one single team. So that'd be really cool. Uh, I'll, I'll just throw one last thing out. Did you see any world where Brunson and, or Josh Hart makes it again? Because I, yeah. I'm I'm kind of with you. I, I kind of think that there might be a better chance for one of the like role players on the Knicks at this point because they'll already have some Brunson-esque dudes there that are just kind of like more shot creators and scorers, like you said. I don't
0: think so with Jalen Brunson. And that's surprising because at the beginning of the summer, I got people can uh, scroll back if they're so inclined. I got into a whole Twitter argument saying, I honestly think Jalen Brunson's going to make the team because we heard how Steve Kerr talked about him and how it seemingly all of Team USA valued Brunson as the clear-cut leader of this group. And it seems like they, they kind of came in from day one. And like I, I think you used this term too. like he, he was the alpha of this group. And then it just didn't translate to on the court because Anthony Edwards was ultimately like their best scorer and the best guy to put the ball in his hands. You, you, look, you, we can argue if Jalen Brunson had just taken the amount of shots that Anthony Edwards did, Maybe he would have had the same production on the same efficiency, right? I'm I, I'm totally open to that being a possibility, but because he was a point guard and because I think Steve Kerr was trying to empower him to sort of be the Chris Paul of this team, Brunson was caught in between of what his game normally is and what he how he felt he should tailor his game to his teammates. And I, I think because of his skill set, like that, like just the way he plays on the Knicks is the way he should always play and, and the way he's best at playing. And there's just no world, even even running the second unit where he gets to play that way with this team. I think the reason you take someone like Darren Fox over him is, to, or even like if, if his image is rehabbed at that point, someone like John Moran, is you want someone who can just get really easy shots. And, and I think of someone with blinding speed, who's just going to create layup after layup after layup for everyone else on this team. And as good as Brunson is, that's not really his skill set. As far as Hart, I, I think the issue there is, is that he's just not a Quentin Grimes level defender, right? He's really, really good on that end of the floor. And he'll make some hustle plays that no one else in the world will make. And there's incredible value in that. But I I think we saw, because there were a lot of times where Steve Kerr was like, all right, Josh, go get Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Go guard, um, they didn't play Luca Doncic, but go guard Franz Wagner. And he was able to do decently on those guys. He wasn't getting toasted, but he couldn't really slow them down in the way I think a Herb Jones and Alex Caruso or even a Quentin Grimes potentially could and because of that, like, not that the hustle stuff loses value, but especially in a game where the bigs are more paint bound and he has less room to get those fly in rebounds and putbacks, I think he loses just a little bit of value.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you there. I I, I think Hart is a definite, probably not going to make it. Um, I think Brunson, maybe there's an outside shot. Like, I could see, like, yeah. if De'Aaron Fox doesn't end up doing it, like, why not just throw Brunson in there? I think that he. He offers you a similar look to like skill set wise, what Steph Curry can give you. Um, you know, and the fact that he's, you know, really good three point shooter, really good at, you know, getting inside and and kicking out and all that stuff. So, you know, I, I could see a world where where Brunson still makes it. And maybe he even makes it just on merit from this past year, where they say, you know what, we'll give you the edge over someone like a De'Aaron Fox because you were here and you put in the time and all that stuff. That does matter, you know, in terms of like national team commitments and stuff. So We'll see how it all goes, but that's uh, – we, we got plenty more time to discuss that because there's, there's a little bit of time before uh, the Olympics next year. So we'll keep you guys updated on that, of course. We also have lots more content leading up to the season here coming up. But for today, we're going to sign off, and we will talk to you guys all very soon. Peace out, everybody.